Welcome to Talking in Stations. It's Matterall. It's the 15th, the Ides of March today. And uh, there was a big fight in F2O. It was an armor timer for a keep star. Looks like Pappy walked away with the strategic victory there, or uh, the operational victory, I forget what you call them. I'm here with uh, my friend Rendell. How's it going? I'm doing really good today. How are you doing? Really good. We're also here with Abby Rova again. How are you doing, Abby? I'm great. Thanks, Amelia. How are you? Good. All right. So we got that topic and more. Big announcement today. CCP uh, has made EVE, well, it's a beta for EVE Anywhere, which means you can play EVE Online on your browser with a lot of conditions. We won't talk about it today because tomorrow is going to be fully covered on the European show with McLeod and Caleb. Uh, but we just want to let you know that was announced today. And if you want, tune in tomorrow. They'll show you how to get on it, what the limitations are, and what it's all about. It's kind of exciting. We'll tell you why maybe a little more in the show when we talk about this just a little bit. Okay, also today, Abby, what was it about Eve Uni? What are they doing? It was their uh, 17th birthday today. Uh, Eve University, as I'm sure many people know um, know them and their, their group, was the 17th birthday of their corp so they had a just a big celebratory event today all right cool also we're looking on orca prices all that today and whatever other news we can dig up we'll be right back here uh with your visuals let's bring up the bring up the uh video and there it is okay so today uh, this is our live coverage. Thanks to Sully again. Uh, this is F2O, uh, Keepstar that uh, is in, it's Delve, right? Well, it says right there, it is Aquarius. It's on the edge of Delve, but it is actually Aquarius. Uh, this is a Goon Swarm Keepstar. Uh, this is part of the assault happening on Delve. And uh, it looks like there were a ton of Titans in there ready for a big battle from the Imperium side of thing. There were calls uh, from the leader of the Imperium Mitanni to uh, arm up. And then, uh, as they were getting ready to get into this, uh, there was a, a snafu, Titan pilot, that was supposed to bridge sub-capital fleets uh, to a system nearby. The system's jammed, so I think it was to a system nearby where they could come in or something like that. Ended up uh, actually being fleet warped to the gate. And this is at 5TZ, so... That kind of accident uh, made it so that the bridging fleet had to, the subcapitals had to just rush the gates and jump through the gates in order to fight on the other side of the gates, uh, while the Titan recovered and got safe. And so that's what happened. I think they took a, a lot of casualties. So that snafu might have cost them some subcapitals in this fight. That is on the Imperium side. Therefore, you didn't see a lot of resistance for this. Uh, Pappy initially just um, loaded in with their super capitals on a Fortizar on grid or near the grid and sent out all their fighters towards the Keepstar and the fighters did all the work. You can see them here in the video just slowly demolishing the Keepstar's armor. And now it's pushed into final timer, which will be, I think, 24 to 48 hours. And at that point, you will see this thing, if it's not defended, be destroyed. F2O. Do you guys uh do you guys see this at all or were you aware that it happened? Yeah, I knew I knew it was happening. Uh unfortunately it landed in my work hours. Uh so I you know, it was kind of followed afar, unfortunately. Uh like and I'm assuming this this is a recording just for anyone watching right now. This isn't live either. So um yeah, I kind of watched as the you know the ticker tape I guess kind of went by and I saw the status happening. Um, and actually, I didn't even know the stats until I talked to you, Matt Earl, and you did say, yeah, the armor timer is is gone. Um, and so, yeah, like we talked about in the show, this is uh, kind of that exit point in the, it's Quirious, but it's that fake delve corner of Quirious. Have you ever looked at a map? It doesn't actually, there's a pocket that doesn't connect into anywhere else in Quirious. It all connects back into delve, but it's considered to be Quirious. Uh, so that's why that's an important section there. Um, so, you know, it was uh, important that we, as a, yeah, for me on my side, on the Pappy side, that we did that. It was important that uh, Imperium tried to um, work at, at retaining it. I guess they were going to, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, some things happened, which, yeah, that's 
just unfortunate it happened that way. I think people are also looking forward to a fight, which didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So a little more light on this. I brought up an NC member. He's actually part of Destructive Influence and uh, a friend of ours here at TIS. It is uh, Vlad uh, Setas. Or how do you say your name? There's about 500 different ways people use. It doesn't really matter at this point. Well, I like my way, so we'll stick with it. <laughs> you were in this fight, weren't you? Yep, had um had a sub cap, had a had a dread up here. Pretty uneventful, but I got a feeling that how F two went is how most of the rest of the keeps are going to go. It's just going to be carriers and supers doing the carriers and super carrier fighters doing the legwork. Yeah. Uh, that's what the question that I had earlier for the guys, our little uh, think tank here was what, you know, there were a hundred, how many Titans were in there? Do you know from Goonswarm? I didn't keep count. Um, my estimate probably saying was probably 50. And that's a very rough estimate. Oh, really? I, I thought there was like uh, maybe. 200 uh, i mean 100 to 200 like a lot that would have been um like super capitals faxes tight and titans. oh got it so that was everything right yeah i the mean they did have a sizable fleet sorry if you're curious about um imperium super numbers i know uh brisk Rimal was there with definitely one of his times if not both of them so he would probably be able to give you a maybe a more accurate number as to how many total Imperium brought? All right, but it wasn't it, it wasn't nearly what I thought. It just that was probably all the forces that were in there. Yeah, plus there was a Sino Jammer too, so trying to get stuff in was difficult. Yeah. Well, okay. So the question was: there's there was enough there for a fight. You guys uh, on the Pappy side didn't take the fight. Why not? Why not try to uh, actually brawl it out? Hello. Oh yeah. Um, from what I saw, it looked like nothing engaged the fighters. My guess, from again, this is from a line member perspective, not an FC, was with what we had on field. If goons tried to engage the fighter blob with subs or their own carrier or a massive amount of carrier fighters, then if anything broke out, it probably would have been sub v sub with maybe some dread or carrier support from both sides yeah do you think there was an, any kind of escalation path all the way up to something much bigger something unexpected like this was the armor not tracker, unlike, right? really stupid really stupid i i don't think anything like an m2 would have happened unless like goons warped all their titans over to the uh over to the nc fort Mm -hmm. I think if that happened, it may have been a ma it may have been a massive fight, but it wouldn't have gone to M two level. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, so when is the final timer? Do you know? Is it twenty eight? Sorry, twenty four or forty eight hours, or in between there? Uh, let me look. <laughs> yeah, should have. We should have looked. We should have known that little fact before we started. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, so this um, was. Not, I wouldn't say it was uneventful, and I wouldn't even say it wasn't a fight. It was a fight. It was just, uh, well, it was a reinforce. I wouldn't call it a fight, actually. So there was no fight. But that doesn't mean there wasn't a conflict. There wasn't an objective that was reached. It's uh, secured. This is the armor timer. That's an important timer. This is when a defensive fleet will fight with the most amount of safety. Uh, there won't be a whole timer with Titans there because those Titans will either uh, be asset safety if they're blown up inside that structure, if they're parked, basically, or if they're manned and parked, they will actually get ejected and be able to be attacked, or they would be anchored on top of the Keepstar and lose their anchor and then be vulnerable to attack. So there's no scenario there that is uh, good for a Titan pilot. So you won't see those, unless they bring them all, they won't be any in the next fight. There may be a subcapital resistance force that, that works on the whole timer, uh, or they may just say this one's lost. I mean, they have uh, plenty of redundancy as far as keep stars go, but this was an important keep star because it is the one 
that uh, essentially was the last way out for super capitals. However, that path has been closed now for a few days because the jammers are preventing any imperial super capitals from using these keep stars to get to low sec to get out. And they've said they don't really want to get out. They want to do a last stand fight altogether in 1DQ. Okay. Vlad, did you find uh, when the next timer is? If not, it's not a problem. We can figure that out tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything right off the top of my head. No worries. We know it's within that range, 24, 48 hours, so it'll be soon. Um, okay, next we want to look at, this is something we didn't um, bring up at the beginning, but let's see, if we go to Talking In Stations uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com, Talking In Stations, uh, you'll see here, Jove Talks. Now, if, let me actually, one second. I'm going to turn off this black thing so it's just a little easier to read. All right, so you see there at the very top, there's Jove Talks. Um, I think you can get in on that. Let's see. No, thumbnail stays the same side. Anyway, there is a really good discussion. It's supposed to be uh, TED Talks, but for wormholers. So it's Jove Talks, little inside joke there. Uh, it's not a lore-based thing at all. It's about wormholers telling you about what it's like in wormhole space. And so some of the topics that you would see there are um, find and seek the perfect wormhole. Uh, there's also, and that was by Sin Alarma, Sin Alarma, which is without alarm. I guess that's Spanish, um, unless it's Italian or something. Rules and Organization by Leo Dormer. Best Wormhole Mapper by Cringy, by Sinji Chonga. Uh, a Guide to Wormhole Diplomacy by Lore Darkfire. Uh, How to FC by Thor Isgard and Teddy GBC, GBYC. And finally, Wormhole Defense by Ashley Traynor. And uh, then there's a Q&A. So all those topics in one session of... Um, Jove talks. It's supposed to be like TED talks again. And so it's the very instructional with PowerPoints. We'll take a quick look at it. Uh, it's all chaptered out. So you can just skip to this chapter that you want. And uh, I recommend it. We're getting a lot of good feedback on this. Even if you're not in wormholes, it's a, it's a pretty good presentation. So popular actually that we're going to do it again at some point soon. Uh, so look for a, look for a part two for that. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you. Yeah. Were, did you actually, uh, were you able to see all of it or part of it? Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. I watched almost all of it. I just have uh, the last, like, 20 minutes, half an hour to finish off. What do you think? Are you Were you able to... I loved it. I loved it. Um, I, I actually have lived in wormholes for a good while, so for me, it was uh, a little bit of a refresher on some of the mechanics I forgot. Um, but I was just really well impressed with how how clear and concise the information is how it's presented uh how it's i mean i've already shared this with a few people and they're like oh my god i didn't know this about wormholes or i didn't realize that was a thing you know wormhole effects statics how how they roll how they work how you fight on a wormhole um it's just great it's really really good if anyone wants to learn about wormholes maybe you think well you want to move into a wormhole you want a day trip or you just want to go in there and get some good fights or or do some of the pve in there this stuff is fantastic this is such a good primer these two and a half hours if you watch this it'll it'll save you hours and hours of pain uh, down the road if you want to go into wormholes wow it's a hell of an endorsement yeah. yeah, well, I yeah, yeah. I mean, and some of those pilots, like I know some of them guys, they're fantastic, fantastic pilots, great guys. So, um, you know, hats off to everyone involved in doing this, the the Ronan crew, um, and all these individual pilots uh, from all these different alliances getting together for this. It was great. Yeah. Oh, Izuki was there too. He's uh, one of the. He was. He was kind yeah. of one of the co-hosts. Right. So check it out. It's on uh, Talking in Stations uh, YouTube channel. You can just see that at YouTube.com/slash Talking in Stations. It's called Jove Talks, Volume 1, basically. There'll be another one soon. Cool. Uh, okay, so another thing that we wanted to look at here was uh, Eve Uni had uh, a birthday. Was it a birthday or an anniversary? 
both, right? Uh, yeah, I guess it would be <laughs> the organization's their... anniversary or birthday. It's its birthday and it's the anniversary of its founding. Right. So what happened here? Because I see Kribba's involved. Yeah. Um, they had a couple of events during the day. They were all out celebrating massive fireworks. Uh, they had some internal uh, parties and roams and fun. Um, Kribba came out. He was... Uh, he recently had this monument put in the game of him um, for the Fed Navy uh, GP. So, yeah. well, let's be clear: he is, he didn't put it in. CCP put it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this isn't what he's been building with all the ore he's been mining. <laughs> exactly. Um, CCP put this statue in, um, like Katia say, got a statue. Right, these these players that have done great things for the community. Um, so he gets his statue now, and he came out and he. Maybe uh, you might not know, but capital ships aren't allowed in high sec, and they used to be. Um, and he's got one of the last remaining capital ships still in high sec. It's a dreadnought. He uses it to mine Felspar, and it's nicknamed the Veld Veldnaught. Yeah. Um, so he he came out and uh, he posed beside his statue. Uh, everyone was shooting fireworks at him, um, and he gave a bit of a Q and A um, to the Evuni group. Oh, that's cool. It's a combination of uh, current events, uh, legendary players, and a legendary organization. Uh, I think they were 17 years old now. Think about that. 17 years of consistent organization uh, and uh, knowledge gathering. Not from the same people, but the same spirit of people that were that have helped out that place over the years. Yeah, the, the external metagame has really, really helped them. I mean, their original website... Uh, you know, it was, it was a simple wiki, but they really took advantage as an organization. Um, so much so that, uh, you know, my personal story with EVUNI is I didn't know that it wasn't actually a third party or an external organization. I actually thought it was a university associated with the game. And so I was trying to find in-game things that would lead me to the information. And I it took me so long to actually wrap my head around no, no, these are just players. And so uh, when I realized they were players, I, I kind of just, it really clicked a whole lot of the metagame for me. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, kind of promoting themselves in all various avenues. And uh, I, I think they've really rolled with the times, helped set the times, and really have been critical in the success of EVE Online overall because of just the volume of information of how to play the game, how to find the things. You know their fleets, training fleets, just raw information. They've adapted and and uh, managed to to be very successful. So for you know, happy birthday to them and another seventeen years of success. Yeah, that's awesome. I like the way this all f fused together. There's a lot of things to celebrate here. That's pretty neat. I'll say it's another thing about Eve Uni. I mean, we could do a whole episode on Eve Uni, and maybe we'll invite them over to talk about themselves and what they do. But they have. Uh, a tradition of um, guarding a lot of knowledge and trying to keep it updated, which takes a ton of work. And one of the interesting things is that because they did such a good job, we think that was part of the reason that CCP decided that they didn't need to maintain their own wiki. Like they said, these players done a better job than us at it, so we'll close down our wiki and use theirs, basically, or something. But I think there were players that lamented that and actually saved the entire wiki that ccp had put together a lot of it's lore based some of it's player uh oriented you know groups and stuff like that but ccp is loath to make any kind of uh, interpretations of the players organizations their worth their are they good are they bad that kind of stuff uh, so they try to just when they talk about players talk about them in a very factual way not with any interpretation because the metagame is so strong. Uh, in other words, the PR game in EVE Online is incredibly strong. It's part of the warfare, which makes it hard for CCP to weigh in on anybody because they don't want to be seen to be taking sides or endorsing any group. So uh, the wiki then, I think, went to EVE Uni. They were one of the guardians of the CCP wiki as, wiki as opposed to the, as in addition to their own wiki. And I think there are other players that did the same thing. So again, guardians of knowledge, 
17 years of doing that. That's great. All right. Let's see here. One yeah, for new players. Yeah, so for new players and even experienced players, you should uh, bookmark this at home, uh, wherever, and be prepared to uh, go to Eve Uni, their wiki first. Whenever you're looking for any information about this game, it's a great place to start. Just to give them a little extra props. Right. All right. Let's uh, actually jump into the last part. Uh, we're actually going to have. We're going to have like. Um, what do you call it? We're going to have a shorter a show. No, we're going to have a shorter show. Like this, <laughs> this is good because last week we did something like uh, 190 hours. No. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> 19 hours? 19 hours. So a little I don't more. know. I forget. It maybe it felt like 100. It wasn't 19 hours. 190 minutes. Who knows? We did 12 shows. 940, 941 minutes. 941 minutes of content. Not all of it was great but a lot of it was and uh, that was before the weekend show as well which is another oh, like two and a half hours okay great so we probably yeah topped a thousand anyway we've been busy uh why have we been busy because we have a lot of great people that are showing up a lot of great people that are uh, helping us and uh, a lot of great guests that donate their time and their knowledge uh and also we know there's uh, increased demand the talking station has really never been so uh vibrant so there's so much work being done behind the scenes, but there's so much uh, desire for it outside. So it's it's just, um, what do they call it in business? The flywheel effect. Like if you do it long enough and you push hard enough, it starts to get easier and easier and easier. And, and then you start getting bigger and bigger gains with less and less actual muscle. Uh, we're really experiencing that right now. So that's great. Uh, I want to combine this with we're looking for people at talking in stations because we we do need to expand. We do have um, we have some projects that we're working on that we're very excited about that I think will really benefit the Eve Online community. Uh, so we're looking for people of any discipline, whether you're a project manager uh, or a manager, or if you're an artist or if you're a writer. We're looking for all that kind of stuff. Okay, um, last thing we want to talk about was uh, first let me introduce uh, you know nick bison he's a friend of ours how you doing nick oh another good day in eve <laughs> uh and today we actually introduce you to an, a new uh, person dusk how you doing dusk not too bad thanks for having me sure uh vlad is still here right yeah i'm here okay so you three guys um Let's talk about minerals and let's talk about scarcity. Uh, actually, first, let's meet Dusk. Tell us about yourself a little bit because you are you know about this issue. Um, I am, uh, yeah, I'm relatively new here. Um, I am essentially the nobody in Eve. I'm the little guy. Um, little I guy. <laughs> uh, I think I started playing in 2009. Um, played for a couple months, and then I discovered I really like mining. And so uh, within a year, I was flying two characters on going up the industrial progression chain. Um, after that, I got a friend that invited me to Nullsec, and I, uh, he was with Intrepid Crossing, and I was out there for a little while with those guys back when they controlled the Cobalt Edge. Um, quickly found out I'm a bit of a Care Bear, and I don't really like solve Warfare, so I went back to high sec. Um, took a break, played some other games, came back. Um, I flew with Signal Cartel for a very short period of time just to like learn the ropes of wormholes. Mm -hmm. There's so much knowledge to learn there. So I figured what better way to do it than a group that is dedicated to it. And because again, I'm not the greatest PvP in the world, I'm like, let's play it a different way. Um, so I flew with Signal Cartel and learned the ropes there for about a year and then again moved back to high sec because uh, that's basically what I'm attached to as a player. I really like the the PVE aspect of Eve. Um, I really enjoy running missions. I like anomalies. I like high sec mining. And I know that sounds crazy for most of the player base, but that's really what gets me going. I'm starting to like this guy. Yeah, right. Compatriot. But yeah, I'm I'm the little voice. Um, what got me into this was uh, a, I'm not sure the time frame. A week ago, two weeks ago, when they were talking about the Orca and the Rourke wall changes, I'm like, oh. I fly an orca. Okay, now I've got skin in the game. Mm -hmm. Okay, how do I get on this conversation? All right. Well, this is the right place, talking in stations. Let me introduce uh, uh, 
Vlad again, you were from NC Dot, and uh, you've mined before, right? Every NC Dot has, uh, every NC Dot guy has mined at least once. Yeah, um, I used to do before the war uh, moon mining with Rockwalls. I managed not to lose any, and I think I only got tackled once. So <laughs> I guess that makes me better than the average bear. <laughs> you know, we were joking one time with uh, CCP Muppet Hunter. He's one of the guys that's uh, kind of in charge of the organization of developers. And he said something really interesting. And if you want to see it, it's on, uh, actually, it's I won't pull it up, but Talking in Stations again on YouTube, there's a Eve Vegas series. And look up Muppet Hunter. Great interview. Super interesting. A very interesting guy. And he talks about how I said, well, you know, evading people. I'm not a PvP or I just evade people when I try to like go through. And he goes, that's PvP too. And I've always liked that. So I always think that um, we should re we should co-opt the name PvP as player versus player, what it actually is. Do you fight in the marketplace? Uh, are you playing cat and mouse? Because that is player versus player, the cat versus the mouse. Which one are you? They're both valid in that scenario. If you escape, you're PvP. You've outplayed a predator. So I always really like that way of looking at things. But anyway, uh, Nick, you're also a minor. People know who you are because you've been on a few times. You three guys uh, and Rundle, of course, or Abby, who's still with us. What do you guys think? We've been looking at Hulk prices go up. Abby, you you saw that. What was going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, Hulk prices spiked. And there could be a number of things to, to explain it. There could be nothing to explain it. Uh, couple of I suppose tinfoil hat theories will be tomorrow's a patch day. CCP Retari uh was talking two weeks ago about uh upcoming work world and orca changes. If they're gonna make a change as big as this, they're probably gonna drop it with no heads up so they can't uh, be uh you know accused of being biased and affecting the market. So it could be maybe someone's got the inside scoop. Um the more logical reasoning would be that for a long time the prices of these ships has been undervalued and actually you were losing money to make them. Um, I suppose the average, say, Tech 2 mining barge would have been selling for in and around the mid-200s. It cost closer to 3 to actually make it, so this could be more of a natural uh, price market correction. It could also be uh, one person buying up a large stockpile for you know an alliance or a large corp or something. It's very hard to know, but uh, it's interesting with... Um, it's interesting in the larger context of the scarcity changes, what Rotari was talking about recently, and um, we know that they will be touched on them, you know, possibly in the next quadrant. Well, what did he say? Do you guys remember? Uh, um, he, I believe. I'm hoping the correction here, if anyone can remember the exact quote, but it was along the lines of we're aware they're a problem. He would like to see them return to their more natural role of boosting uh, a fleet of people and not being able to outmine the actual mining barges. Uh-huh. What's that? That's, what's that say to you guys? I'm, I'm digging that um, because I've been building all the exhumers for more than ten years, and yeah, I, I pretty much had to stop for a while because of the cost. You know, it just was not profitable to sell a Hulk for you know 225 million or a Mackinac for 190. Right now, Hulks are going about three and a quarterish, maybe a little more, depending on if you can get a deal. So. And I guess part of my mindset goes back to the Hulk as a paper tank now, where it did not originally. So it's kind of an interesting balance uh, to spend that kind of money. Yes, it mines more, but boy, is it fragile. Yep. That's the underlying flaw with a lot of the mining line is Eve played a, or CCP played a very delicate balance of uh, how much it can hold its mining efficiency, and its tank. And the way they've evolved over time, most are extremely fragile when you compare them to the task they're doing and the fact that they have minimal armaments. I mean, you're talking a couple of drones. They barely even have guns. So that's part of the appeal of the Orca. You're trading because the Orca, as far as I know, I've never been able to get it to catch up to my fully boosted Hulk. I fly both, um, one on one pilot, one on the other. And you're taking an efficiency loss when you fly the when you fly the Orca. Um, it might be able to outmine the skiff, I think, but the skiff flies with a single laser. It, as far as I know, it doesn't. anymore, they don't. They originally the skiff was one Mackinac two Hulk three, 
Yep. They all had the same cycle time. Now they all have two lasers. The difference is the cycle time. And no, an or a single orca cannot, you know, with five mining drones, if you have max skills, you're only pulling 230 M3 a minute per drone. And, and over an hour, that's going to be roughly 56,000 M3 where your orca can hold 250. It's like, no. Well... So that's the, that is the trade-off. The, the raw cycle time versus how often do I have to fly back to the station versus defense. Like that is, that is the equation the miners care about. That's it. Those are the only three things. And that, if, you, if you look at an old miner like me, and a la- I'm a lazy miner. Uh, let me let you finish your thought. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm just like the appeal to me is I'm less susceptible to, to single pilot ganks and I can sit in the belt and I don't have to fly to the station a dozen times over and over and over again, I'm okay taking the efficiency loss because that's the appeal of the orca to me as a pilot that flies it. But uh, go ahead. I have a a slightly different take um, because I, like I said, I'm lazy. I'm also very cautious. I don't use hulks because I don't like the small cargo hold, even though they have the best uh, draw of ore per cycle or the shortest cycle time. Um, and I do multi-box with four Mackinaws because I can put a fair tank on each of them and I'll sacrifice a mining laser upgrade for more tank. But the first thing I do is the Orca goes out, the four Mackinaws come out. The first thing the Orca does is lock the Mackinaws because he's got a uh, remote shield wrapper on it. You know, mm-hmm. divide out. And in it basically takes, if you look at uh, a fully loaded uh, Orca, Without cargo expanders, you're looking at 258,000 M3 with four Mackinaws, each with 35,000 M3 ore holds. You're looking at um, just shy, 398,000 M3. Takes me 52 minutes to to fill that. And then because I'm lazy, I dock everything up. I go have a smoke, get a fresh (laughs) come back out and do it again. Um, just real quick, I found my notes on the uh, CCP Retati interview. He said that uh, Rourke's did everything instead of one thing really well. Right now they do everything um, instead of one thing really well. And he wants to go back to their original role as fleet boosters, mm-hmm. the same as Orcas. That's the high level vision. He says they have aces up the sleeve to give them a special role. But that's happening in 2021 soon. That was his comment. But uh, Skyhawk Everhart wrote. Trademark. Yeah. uh, Skyhawk Everhart wrote. He said it wouldn't be in the first quadrant, though. Is there. No, because we're currently in the first quadrant, but um, that quadrant is coming to an end at the end of this month. um, So it could be in the next quadrant. But but does that preclude it from showing up tomorrow? Not necessarily. You see, that's the thing. They're not, they would never, I don't think they would leak this. I mean, it could be, they could start to slowly change it. Uh, we've seen this. They've done small iterations quickly. We, we saw this with the ESS and the DBS changes. They introduced the system. Uh, they looked at it for a month. They did a small tweak. They looked at it. They tweaked. So maybe they're going to adjust the mining percentages or the cycle times um, and begin that process maybe. Yeah, I would for you know like Oracle probably. I was looking up some you know uh, other storylines too. Oracle seems to be the one that most is most focused on, but they got to do Orca as well. So if you look at the kind of the uh, where those two ships kind of collide in terms of skills and the role, they might make a couple of small adjustments now, which are minor for the uh, minor for the Oracle, um, but significant for the Orca, but overall aren't big changes. And then the next big change will be on the Oracle itself. So uh, maybe that's where the Orca, um, you know, is kind of like, well, from an Orca pure point of view, it's going to be a, you know, a reasonable size change to who knows, right? It depends on what they get, that ace up their sleeve is. That's how I read the the comments and mm-hmm. took that. And I've, we've seen that elsewhere in other other ship types where they're really targeting the big end ship, but the smaller end ship that shares gets a kind of a bigger percentage change or a bigger change because the big change isn't supported on the, on the lower tier ship. And so kind of, that's where I think that's going. Yeah. 
I was looking for the there was, there was a couple of comments in in chat yeah. if you don't mind jumping into address and and I think it's important. Um, okay, the first one, uh, and I'm, I'd screw his name up if I said it, but it's IXZ and that's what we're that's what we're known yeah. for. Yeah, you know, does yeah, Zioka does uh, Orchid does not. Uh, it can give mining bonuses or shield, whatever you command you want to put on it, but it does not receive its own. So its mining drones do not benefit from that at all. Dream Packs 7 mentions, why is every solution to EVE multiboxing? I didn't want to give that impression. If I did, my apologies to that. A lot of times I'm rolling out my Orca, or Orcas, plural, to boost the rest of the core while they mine. And then I'm just turned into a glorified hauler on that because it's a group effort. And I just thought that was important to you know let you know that it's not always multi-box. I do that when I'm lonely and have nobody to play with. Well, can I touch on that one for a second before you talk about other ones? Sure. Um, I'm not a multi-boxer. I, I can. I have two accounts. But usually it's it's just the Orca in space slowly mining by itself while I'm watching YouTube or reading something or working on something else. So I, I don't. That's that's why I'm advocating for... And I'm not actually advocating against changing the Orca. Um. You need something that appeals to the solar, to the solo miner. The same type of individual just made that comment. That's the niche. The current industrial lineup doesn't play into, and that's really what I would advocate for. But like, I want to say that I, I'm not a multi-boxer when I mine. I just I park the orca and I harvest one belt, five drones at a time. So it's okay. not always. Go on, and, and like you know. McBeggar says, you know, it's like game design. Yeah, you are correct in that. And I do agree. Um, but, you know, come on out, get in a small core that does mining. They'll be happy to boost you. It'll increase your efficiency and, you know, make friends. That's kind of what we do. Fair point. It is a fair point. It's just not what I enjoy. Good, Abby. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that is, um, I mean, really, there's two types of orca mining. There is the one guy with maybe one account, maybe five accounts mining on his orcas because he takes the efficiency hit so he can do other stuff or, or it's not as tasking. And then there's the guys out there in the orcas boosting their corp mates of five or 10 or 20 miners doing mad uh, mining operations. And they're, they're both valid, legitimate gameplays. Um, and they both need to be respected when we address the orca changes, you know. Yeah. Um, I love, I love. Sorry, I just love the idea of the orca booster. You know, one orca, two orcas boosting twenty miners. I mean, that looks so cool in a in an asteroid belt. I love that. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on from the orca. Again, we're looking at the orca because we assume something's going to change with it that would make it less desirable to be used as a miner, and that would put more pressure, more buying pressure on ships like uh, the Hulk or mining barges that are meant to mine a lot quickly. They just can't hold a lot of it uh, like the Orca can. So since there was a little bit of a price adjustment we were looking at, could it possibly signal that there's something coming tomorrow about the Orcas? We know something's coming. It may not come tomorrow, but it's coming soon. Uh, but there's another thing I wanted to ask you guys about. We'll go around again. Uh, I'll start with Vlad since he hasn't talked yet, but that is the whole scarcity. I want your guys' opinion on it and how you've adapted or or what, what you think of it. It's up to you. What do you think, Vlad, about scarcity? I think that it's something that was nece necessary for game balance. Um, it's one of those of the medicine sucks, but you have to take it. Um, I think that ultimately, it once it gets down to where resources become dynamic and you have to spread back out again, then they could start reintroducing it and making it less painful but more risky, which just seems to be the case with how NullSec should be, which should be high risk, high reward. I think that we may get back to the point where we're somewhat, at least with tier one, with uh, tech one minerals, um, somewhat how they were previously, at least in like ADOMs. But they'll be in where you have to go outside of your super umbrella to find anything worth mining. As it, uh, just a quick follow up, 
has it changed your behavior? Have you completely stopped mining or do you care to mine anymore? Or like, I will see what happens after the war. I haven't done anything during the war. I've been focused on it. That's it, right? <laughs> okay. And honestly, that's how most, how I think most people in NCR it, yeah. have been. It's we're completely focused on the war. We stockpiled pre-war so that everybody had cash. Like the weekend before the war, for instance, we did a, a massive moon mining blitz where anybody that joined pro would have stocked up several billion isk and of, in one weekend. Yeah, worth of uh, worth of ore. You mean to sell or worth of moon worth of R sixty four moon goo, of course, with buybacks available and buybacks at good prices. So they. They paid you a good price to put money in your pocket so you could go to war kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And this was 100% geared to putting ISK into individual members' wallets. It wasn't taxed for Alliance or Corp or anything like that. Yeah. Nick? Uh, J-Rox in uh, – J-X Ross, sorry, in chat said, why would you train into a Rourke just to boost? Originally, that's all you did with O'Rourke was boost. It wasn't until the changes that they became a mining platform. So if you were heading down that path today, and I'm not one to give advice because I generally suck at it, um, I'd hold off till we know what these changes are, are before I'd toss any hard-earned ISK at skill books right now to see if that's going to be what you want to do. It, Rundle, um, and F says this, F1690, he says, boost and compress or Rundle, do you remember um, Rorkles at all? Did you ever have experience yeah. with them? Uh, I, I've never flown one. I've uh, been around them and, you know, been in fleets. I, I, it, they, it, uh, they used to have compression modules, I think, right? Yeah. So you would drop them in and you had to, they would run it and they would compress it for you. I you had to go into industrial mode. You had to have the blueprint. You had to have blueprint, right. yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah, For that skill, right. and then then you could compress them. Yeah. Right. So it was a it was a whole chain to get to that point, right? And so um, I think the idea was null sec. Um, you know, you would get one or two people interested in doing that who'd willing to do the training, and they would be that pilot, and that would be like your mining command ship, just like it was intended. Do the boosting. And the compression, and make your oh, you cut out there a little easier, right? And that was that would be what that role was. But you know, they made some changes there. They you know allow compression in you know all the citadels and and the roles to change. You know, this was over many years, right? Mm -hmm. Those things just kind of adapted, and I think it steamrolled for the Oracle and the pilots who were you know meant to have this single role. I like. Um, Sorry to interrupt you. We're, we're going to have to wrap it up quick. But AFF says something I really like again. He says, I used to sit in my Rourke in an ice belt and compress ore while boosting. And I love that idea of that's a mining captain, right? Like he's taking care of some stuff while the yes. fleet's out there mining. But Rorkles, uh, in my opinion, were used for a, a multitude of things. Uh, but by the end, I think by the time Nick really refers to them, they were really only good for boosting or that was their main thing but initially they were supposed to be set piece ships that a fleet could form around so it could carry clones it could carry extra mining barges so those clones if you jump to that clone you could jump out in a mining barge and start mining so you could basically uh because this ship the oracle had a, a jump drive as well you could jump and it had a pretty nice range if i'm not mistaken it had a or no it had a short range uh, get out to where you wanted to be in deep space, and then your pilot friends could actually clone into your ship and take out ships, then mine all day, all night. They would come back, deposit the ships back, and jump out. Um, and that was kind of how it was supposed to be used. It also had um, the compression stuff to it. And here's the thing. It, in Sob Warfare a long time ago, the way you controlled territory was by controlling the moons. And the way you controlled the moons was to put a tower on it to claim it. It's like a flag on a moon. So if a system had four moons, it could easily be controlled because you only needed four towers. But you could also flip it relatively easy. But there were systems that had like 
25 moons or more. And those were hard to uh, essentially like put towers up on. The Roracle was great for that duty because it could avoid gates and just jump all over the place. And it had a huge cargo, so it could carry a lot of those, I used to call them sticks. So it was good in Sov Warfare in that case. It was, it was a working man's ship to do the logistics, to do the kinds of things uh, in Sov that needed to be done that a military type ship didn't need to be wasted for. So there was a lot of things it did. Okay. One thing Skyhawk uh, in the uh, chat mentions is a minor correction, but uh, the Rourke had a very long jump range, same as jump freighters always had. It did. Okay. I was wrong about that. I thought it got nerfed down to like five light years, but then they fixed it or something. I don't know. I, I was wrong. No. It, it was long, right? It was long. Here's the other thing. It was a poor man's jump freighter, as uh, Plague says there, Plague SD. He's right about that because you can park it in a station and you can't park super capitals in a station. So uh, it could also travel in high sec. No, it couldn't travel in high sec, could it? No, it could it not. It's a standard no. cap. You're right. Okay, but it could park in a station. That was one of the things it could do. Yes. It's yeah, the big advantage to the work with hauling was you could tank it like crazy. It'd haul about a third that of a jump freighter, and it had the same range and fatigue reduction as a jump freighter. Yeah, even before fatigue, that's kind of when I was using them. <laughs> it's a long well, time if ago. You go, if you go back to the trade-off conversation, yeah, it was originally balanced around you couldn't effectively mine, so you had all this extra force multiplication yeah. that applied directly against your own fleet. Uh, it's, it's hard really to not discuss the conversation around its its independent mining capability because if you go back to efficiency, that thing will outstrip a Hulk. And I think that's really where the conversation has to take place on that specific asset is where does CCP draw a line where this is where a single ship should be able to mine on its own and balance everything below that. And then, but you also have to justify the investment in that capability. So how do you still maintain it being a force multiplier with its cost investment. I, those are for specific to the work wall, those are the two areas I look at for that platform. Yeah. Yeah. Jump onto what Dusk said on that, because uh, I remember distinctly, and I wish I could find the clip, but it was back, and I don't know if it was in a clip or if it was in uh, the EVE forums where CCP stated that you know, when folks wanted additional mining capability, this was 2008-ish, where they flat out said, nothing's ever going to outmine a Hulk. Well, that ain't true. Yeah. Well, I think when the, uh, we'll end on Rorkel stuff here in a second. Um, when the Rorkel was first transitioned over to a sol solo mining ship because of the excavators, uh, we, did a, we did a whole show with miners on that, and they were not little people, you know, just people who work out in the asteroid belts. And they were um, saying that it would be able to hulk like five, five and a half times a single hulk. And uh, so they, were, they did all the math and all the crunching, and they were right. And I think it's been nerfed way back since then. I'm, I'm not sure where it sits now, how many times it duplicates that. But um, anyway, we didn't. Uh, Nick, it's your turn to talk about scarcity, if it affects you. I think we've already covered this with you. Uh, and then uh, uh, Dusk. Well, a good byproduct of scarcity mm -hmm. has been um, I've actually made a couple of in-game relationships with people in different regions that I don't mine in, you know, down in Derelict and the you know, whole Minmatar area to where, you know, hey, we're compressing and selling stuff to each other and transporting. So, yeah, so it's different, but I, I kind of like moving stuff around, so that doesn't really bother me. But it's what the scarcity has done for me is, yes, I'm mining considerably less, but I'm trading more and I'm meeting more people again, and I'm enjoying that. Awesome. What about you, Dusk? Scarcity, this is something that's close to your heart, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, how do I say this? I've thought about scarcity quite, quite a bit. Um, ultimately, I hated its initial implementation um but i've come around on it quite a bit when i stepped back and actually thought about the implications so all for it um i think it's actually a really good move and I, I, it is a pain point for a lot of the community but i think the ultimate goal um is is quite a healthy one um as long as you can successfully make that uh 
big PR argument of it's the long-term health of the game. Um, I'm also really concerned about how do you prevent gaining uh, abundance again. And so I've thought a bit about that aspect. Um, I started looking at larger assets in the game um, above, well, well above um, Battleship, at the, really at the station level when they remove pauses um, and they added upwell structures. Um, I, and the community's not gonna like me when I say this. Um, I think part of how you limit the potential for abundance in the future is to make very large assets more relative to their, their mass in the game and diversify their supply pipeline, just like they're talking about doing with Titans. Um, if you look at the price point between uh, I'm going to butcher because I don't have one. Um, the low-end upwell structures, um, it's something like 30 times the mass of a T2 battleship, but it costs, and sometimes what the inflated Marauder market right now costs half as much as a Marauder. Mm. But again, if you go back to that force multiplication, what's the value of that, the mass of that structure vice the mass of that ship? It's, it's you're able to dock in it. You can have, uh, production capability you're able to run a market out of it you're able to run clones out of it you have tether capability and the larger you go up in the structures it gets even more insane when you start talking about keep stars um so i don't think you have to jump the price extreme but i think that if you look at the cost of large alliance size assets a bumping some of the requirements for those um, pieces of infrastructure might actually be a way that you limit this from ever happening in the game in the future. Yeah, um, where the flex point is on that, I don't know. I, I don't have the raw data to look through it at that level. CCP has it, I don't. Um, but I think my concern is how do you prevent us from having to go through the, this austerity again five years from now or 10 years from the now? How do you maintain a healthy ecosystem once they've established um, demand because that's ultimately the market it's supply and demand you have to balance both sides do you uh do you rationalize that back to real world dollars though through you know plex purchase and sales uh, uh, because the keepstar for example is like about 3500 us dollars right now yeah it's crazy um but if you rationalize it back to to real world um truly real world if you're looking at an average player being able to own something like a uh We'll keep my example, T2 Battleship, right? You want to fly $2 billion or $2 billion-esque Marauder. Um, we'll equate that to a house. Does the average person that owns a house, can they afford a skyscraper? Should they, be ha should they be able to afford an Empire State Building? Should small businesses be able to afford an Empire State Building? So these really are extremely large assets. So should a two or three person corp or a, or a multi a single player multi boxer be able to afford an upwell structure i think is a fundamental question should they should they be maintained as a corporate asset in large alliances and then you're dealing with a with a price tag that's appropriate to that which there's a second pain point is now i've introduced okay well i'm a solo player or a small corp what's my progression then you get into arguments like we'll bring back pauses and there's a whole no way rabbit hole associated with that um <laughs> but but i want my own station i want my own station yes that's the appeal i just want my own station it's an appeal right they sell it yep. you can have your own station you're correct i i think but, I, the problem if i may say is they went too big i like if i put exactly. down an astro house i feel like this this house is too big for me i just wanted a little cave you know and the mobile, want a cottage you know, yeah I just a, want a cottage on the edge of the lake right yeah. Maybe there's an opportunity in flex structures for something like that. That's what I thought they'd build, but uh, all they did was the mobile depot, which is too small. That's <laughs> like, <laughs> where's the Goldilocks? Um, yeah, that's the that's the U-Haul van to get you to the small cottage, but where's yeah, right. the cottage? We got to move on. I real. mean, though, what Go what ahead. do you see mobile depots used for other than spam or occasionally oh, being to, abandoned? Basically, to trade trade uh, fittings or whatever. Um, Last, uh, I guess, um, Abby, tell us a little bit about um, scarcity in NullSec because we've talked about high sec. Is there, you want to fill that in? Yeah. Um, so in high sec, obviously, it's stripped some of the minerals from the belts. Um, 
Yeah. In in the in the areas that had moons, uh, a lot of the miners, uh, the big fleets of miners, the amount of asteroids in the belts became so little that it wasn't even worth cycling Auroracle. Or uh, in an Orca, you'd have to change asteroids every two minutes. So what has happened is people have been mining the minerals in the belts less. Uh, you know, your basic T1 minerals, um, but they have swapped over to doing more moon mining, which is one of the reasons why in this area of scarcity, we have seen Tech 1 hulls, uh, ship hulls increase in price, and the Tech 2 uh, ships have kind of stayed steady and if not dropped in price. And one of that is the miners swapping from the less uh, less available and the more scarce Tech 1 minerals over to the, the moon goo. Which is fascinating. So it's it's while there is a scarcity in the in the tech one stuff, uh, the miners who just want to mine and that's their playstyle have have been nibbling on rocks and kept busy. Oh, good. Okay. Any last comments on mining uh, before we close out? From uh, yeah, I got, if you don't mind, please. just one quick experiment uh, for the panel here. Mm -hmm. uh, a one line answer on what scarcity means to you in Eve Online. Start with Abby at the top. I hate being alphabetical. Um, to me, <laughs> primary Abby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Uh, to me, scarcity means correcting the out of control uh, economy, um, the boat money economy, the super economy, the 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 capital prolifer proliferation. Um, scarcity. I like it. I want it. Uh, I don't mind sucking it up for two years to balance the game a little bit more and uh, have a healthier universe going forward for the next 10 years. Okay. What about you, Dusk? Uh, proper demand is really what it boils down to for me. That actually right. having a healthy market through proper demand. Okay. Matterall? Me? Yeah, sure. Come back to me. I have no idea. All right. All right, Nick. <laughs> All right, Nick. I'm just a host here. What do I know? <laughs> Nick, go ahead. I'm uh, I'm a lot with Abby on that. I'll, I'll I'll suffer a hell of a lot of pain to get this whole bad thing back on track, to where we have a solid balance again. Okay, uh, Vlad. I would say it's it's resetting the economy, especially the null economy. Uh, and yeah, it sucks short term, but long term it's necessary. Okay, so I've had uh, I've had this conversation with a few people. Um, Number one answer isn't any of the answers you gave. Number one answer is, frankly, uh, they're just decreasing in, 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 its entire, in entirety across the universe the volume of minerals available. That's what the first thought is. And then people think about it and go, no, no, no. It's really just about the placement of minerals and how hard it is to get. And the answer you know, is kind of in the middle somewhere. It really means there's four answers here. There's two more I gave you. The, the scarcity... You know, talking about the scarcity, I think, with a definition is a little dangerous, not to put you on the spot for how you ran this segment, but, you know, because it really actually means something different to everyone. And if you look at the prices, sometimes, you know, the scarcity really drives prices. And you look at the mineral prices uh, in Gita, um, tritanium is down to like a one-year low. It's not in terms of price because there's actually way more tritanium out there because it's all in high sec and now you have every high sec miner mining tritanium but the other minerals are up 150 to 200 percent which means they've gone up one and a half to two times their price over the last five months so the scarcity is the availability of the high-end minerals that drive the high-end ships which drive and drive the high-end prices for uh, really kind of what Abby was saying, you know, those, um, you know, larger structures uh, like Dust was also talking about and stuff. The standard ships, the things that take a lot of tritanium, I don't think are seeing the impact of value because there's a ton of tritanium around. And so it really just moved the availability of certain minerals. It didn't mean that the game itself suffered. It's just the mechanisms for getting them. That's how, that's for me the real the real element of the scarcity doesn't mean the game somehow has less. It's just the availability of it is less. It's still out there if you want to take the risk. And I and suspect I can... over the next year to two, we will discover methods to obtain the minerals and accept the risk and manage the, the, the danger of getting those minerals. We just haven't worked it out yet as a community. 
that's a great point. And actually, uh, there's already like a lot of null sec alliances before these changes. You'd want to be as deep in null as possible to get away from low sec. And now null alliances are moving closer to that low sec where those good minerals that you talked about, those rare minerals are. They want to be able to mine them under their super umbrellas. They want to have that PVP come to them to increase their DBS rewards um, and get the good DBS rewards in low sec. Yep. And, right. and you have this war kind of interrupting the natural um, player development player. Um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, you know, where the player think tank, right? Where the players figure it out. There's a, a usually a natural element where you get so many people. But, you know, with the very large alliances at war, there's a bit of a pause on that side. Not completely. So I just think there's a slight of a delay. It will get there. Um, and we're starting to see that now. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. I think there's just that subtext in, through the universe, through the wars, um, that is really playing out, and we'll see it amp up. This these changes to the Orca and the Oracle will again drive another nail into the side of the of the alliances of look. This is how you're going to have to go get the minerals. This is where you'll have to go. Yeah, and right. I, I'm I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. Rundle, you caught me off guard because it's like, do you believe in God? Kind of question. It's just so, <laughs> it's too big to like be like yes, no. Uh, I don't know. Um, what? So uh, you said in one sentence, what does um, scarcity mean to you? That sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, what is the yeah, yeah yeah what does the this Eve scarcity uh, thing mean to you? It, it, it's kind of like anti gluttony, is what it feels like uh, to me, and. There are so many variables for me that I don't know if it'll work or not. I, I think it is definitely working the shallow going into the when I look at the map, right, the further from the center you get, the deeper the water is. And, and the center is the island, let's say that the further out you swim, the more uh, the bigger, the less touched coral reef is and the more beneficial it is to be out there. And if you can uh, protect yourself while you're out there from everything, then you can benefit and have huge benefits. That's been the game this entire time. And it just feels like uh, they went from that model, the further you go, the deeper you go, the better off you are to, well, with the exception of wormholes, which kind of mixed everything up, but uh, to a real diverse ecology of geography, like where do you put yourself? And I really like looking at fraternity I keep mentioning them, but I'm always looking at what people are doing that's interesting and that's and it's new and it's a trend for the future. And I do see what fraternity is doing is uh, putting themselves in shallow null sec, imposing on low sec right in front of them. They have good market access. And because it's Caldari space, they have good access to Poshvin. They are placing, they are placing a lot of bets and diversifying. And if one works... Uh, they're going to benefit, and if uh, two or three work, they're really going to benefit. If if one or two don't work, they're not going to get hurt as much. Like they're really diversifying. So when I think about what fraternity's doing, and I think what other leaders are, are looking at and wanting to do, I think about the rhetoric of this war and what happens after the war, and I just feel like everybody that's fighting this war, is saying the blue donut. Uh, is going to break up, and then you'll be sorry, Tess, that you teamed up with PL and NC. When I hear that kind of talk, I realize, wow, there's a lot of people that don't even get it yet. They don't understand this. It's been going on for about two years, ever since Triglavians were coming, I think. Ashtarothy was one that talked to me about this sort of stuff. We, we said this game is changing for a different player. Uh, so it's a much bigger question than scarcity, uh, one sentence, you know, it, for me, it's an entire ecosystem, not only of what's in the game, but of the kind of players that CCP wants to service without getting rid of their veterans accidentally. That's, that's just how deep it goes. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, that was my, uh, yeah, there you go. There's yeah. my one question. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, yeah, no problem. Okay. So, uh, last thing we're going to talk about, um, I could bring it up one more time here. Let me just share my screen. This is the very last thing. I just wanted to show you guys, and I'm cheating a little bit here, but uh, here, there it is. Yay, there it is. So that is a Chrome browser. Uh, you can play EVE Online in your Chrome browser. Um, I'm not going to tell you much about it here. This is very interesting because it brings uh, EVE Online to players that don't have to download their, uh, you know, the big old download into their computer, but also it's a light 
it's light so you don't um, i mean you don't have to have high technology to use it the technology's uh all the visuals are being crunched somewhere else so you could play this on uh, a laptop or even a device like a um a, a phone i don't know if it works on a phone or um an ipad chromebook maybe yeah chromebook i think it does work like on an ipad and that sort of stuff but the idea here is fantastic because and this is all i want to say the timing is Eveco is having a hard time right now uh, with an, a new insurance policy where you recover a lot of what you get blown up, which means that this goes against the nature of EVE Online. A lot of players are really rejecting that. Not all of them, but a lot. And so there is an opportunity for CCP to actually lure players from EVE Echoes into EVE Online that don't have the technology, don't have the computers to play EVE Online. They could actually participate this way. And that's interesting. All right. More on that tomorrow at 1900. Watch the Euro show with McLeod and Caleb. They'll go over all the details. You'll want to check that out. I want to thank Abby and Dusk and Rundle and Nick and Vlad, who actually took off. He had to leave. I want to thank all you guys for helping us out today. Well, Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Watch the Euro show tomorrow. Find out about the, the browser game version. All right, good. Rundle, we'll have to give you like a script to, to like uh, talk us out so you could do the ending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We will uh, try to find a raid for you. Take care. We will see you. Um, actually, I don't know if we're, you may not see a show tomorrow because we're, we're thinking of cutting back the Newsday shows. We've been doing one every day. Decision is not made yet. We'll talk about it after this program. But we're thinking of... Uh, Monday and Thursday will be the Newsday show, which you're watching today. Tuesday and Friday will be the Euro show. And then Wednesday will be ad hoc. Could be just what we had today, a little discussion among players that hang out. If you hang out at Talking Stations Discord with us and we get to know you, we'll bring you on. Um, so, Or no show at all on a Wednesday, so we would rest twice, twice a week as opposed to just once a week. Uh, we're trying to look at our schedule here. We have a lot of cool stuff to talk to you about in the future, so stay tuned. But we are juggling our schedule right now. And always, as always, give us feedback on the YouTube video uh, or write, uh, write me at uh, Talking Stations uh, on the Discord. Okay? Thanks very much, guys. We'll see you next time. Take care.